Good morning and welcome to Counterbalance Radio here on KZUM. I am Richard Randolph, one of your co-hosts for this program. Beth Minthusen, my co-host, is not able to join us today. This morning, our show will focus on the moral and theological uh, implications of the current immigration crisis from a progressive Christian perspective. Our special in-studio guest will be Skylar Geary Zink, staff attorney for the Immigrants and Communities Program at Nebraska Appleseed. Before we get started, please listen to these important announcements. Topics can also include interreligious sharing as well as science and faith. We probably all heard conservative Christian perspectives on other radio, show, radio shows and TV shows. And um, so what we offer is an alternative progressive perspective, which is also authentic, authentically Christian, which takes the Bible seriously, along with Christian tradition and current perspectives. We've named our new show Counterbalance uh, because we seek to counterbalance more conservative Christian perspectives. I'm Richard Randolph, one of the co-hosts of Counterbalance. Along with Beth Minhusen, I am also a pastor at Christ and Connection Point United Methodist Church here in Lincoln, Nebraska. One church in two locations with two very different personalities, but a shared commitment to seeking God, serving others, doing justice, and acting inclusively. At Christ and Connection Point, we strive to welcome and include, as well as affirm, all persons, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their ethnicity, their economic class, their sexual orientation, or any other things that differentiate us from one another. We recognize that all persons are created in the image of God and loved by God for who they are. For more information about our church, please visit ChristUMCLINC.org and also check out ConnectionPointLNK.org. That's ChristUMCLINC.org or ConnectionPointLNK.org. LINK.org. Our topic today is the ongoing immigration controversy. We'd be very happy uh, and very interested in hearing from our listeners um, questions or comments on this topic. Throughout the show, you can sh- share your thoughts by calling us here uh, in the KZUM studio at 402 474 5086, extension 1. If you have a contribution but do not want to go on the air, please call in and talk with me off air, and then I can go back on the air and share a summary of your thoughts with our listeners. You can also message us your questions on Facebook. Just go to Counterbalance KZUM, uh, our Facebook page at Counterbalance KZUM, Uh, and we also have a Twitter account. You can tweet us at CB Radio KZUM, and you can tweet us with a, a question. Joining me for our discussion today is uh, Skylar uh, Geary Zink. Um, as I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, she's a staff attorney for the Immigrants and Communities Program at Nebraska Appleseed, and uh, she is a, spe- a specialist in international uh, human rights and national security law. Um, she's also um, very proficient, I understand, with the banjo, the ukulele, and the vocals um, as a vocalist. Uh, Skylar, welcome to Counterbalance Radio. Thanks for having me. Um, please tell us a little bit about um, your band. Yeah, so my band is called Fraylin Hearts, and... Um, I'm sorry, Skylar, can you talk, uh, start over with your band? It's called... Fraylin Hearts. Okay. Um, and we're pretty eclectic. We, we play a little bit of everything. So if you don't like one song, just stick around <laughs> for the next one, I say. But um, yeah, I'm a songwriter and um, I actually like to use music as a form of, of um, activism as well. Great. And my songwriting. So That's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Very, uh, very good. Thank you very much. Um, we're just delighted to have you with us today um, and to talk about what I think is a, a really critical um, issue facing uh, our society and uh, I would say also facing the church as well. Uh, and that's the whole complex nexus of different issues around Im immigration these days. Um, I, you know, I think... Um, that um, maybe many of our listeners are like I am. We um, we uh, try to keep up with the news. We uh, we read uh, a lot of uh, news. So have uh, our favorite sources of uh, of news. Uh, maybe listen to some podcast. And uh, there's a couple of uh, bloggers as well as um, newspaper columnists that I try to read on on a regular basis. Um, so we try to keep up on this whole issue of, of immigration, uh, but it seems as though it's so complex and there's so many different dimensions to it and there's so much, much news. Sometimes I, I feel like I'm really not up to speed on, on the whole immigration uh, issue to begin with. So um, I'd uh, like for us just to begin by just... Um, Skylar, if you would just provide an overview of some of the most important issues related to uh, immigration uh, in a cur currently uh, in the current news. You um, uh, published uh, an article uh, on uh, the Appleseed uh, website yesterday called Children Fleeing Violence Face Death and Abuse in, in Government Custody. And, uh, you know, for me, that just provided a great overview and summary of of many of the different uh, issues. So I'm wondering if you could, we could just begin by having you uh, just talk a little bit about that. And, uh, but before we get started, just, uh, I'm just reminded, uh, in the interest of, uh, of uh, transparency, we just need to let our listeners know, Skylar, that you are a member of the board of directors here at KZUM. That is correct. Uh, yes. When we invited you to be uh, on the show today, I didn't realize that, uh, but I'm, I'm glad to have you. And, uh, but we do let, need to let everybody know that uh, you're on the board of directors. And the opinions that I'm going to be expressing this morning are my own and Nebraska apple seeds and don't necessarily represent that of the rest of the board of directors. Okay, thank you very much. So um, can you just sort of walk us through a little bit um, some of the, the different um, issues that you brought out in, in your recent article? Yeah, so just real quick, in case people don't know what Nebraska Appleseed is, um, we are a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization which fights for justice. We work in areas of healthcare, child welfare, economic justice, and immigration, as well as looking at access to the democratic process through Get Out the Vote work and ensuring accurate representation for Nebraskans in the 2020 census. So as you mentioned, Richard, I'm part of the Immigrants and Communities Program. Mm -hmm. um, so... Part of my job is to look at the immigration policy um, and try to improve upon it and also educate the community about what is going on. So on this article that I published through the website, Children Fleeing Violence, Face Death and Abuse in Government Custody is one of the things that I do as part of my work at Nebraska Appleseed. And you, you are... Very correct. The immigration system is a very complex system and most people aren't exposed to it. We don't really learn about it in public school, right? We kind of learn yeah. the history of immigration, right. but we don't really learn how that system works. And really the people who um, either work in that system or work to change that system or are affected by it are the ones who know how complicated and how outdated that system is a lot of people have the impression that you can get in line or that it works the same as the old ellis island right you know yeah, but those, <laughs> that i learned in, in grade <laughs> yeah. school right but um, it doesn't work like that anymore doesn't work that way anymore imagine that right so I feel, as, as you mentioned, if you are trying to keep up with what's going on, it can be really difficult because there's an article essentially every day about what's going on at the border um, and that probably everyone has heard a little bit about what's going on um, with the government treatment of 
especially children at the border, um, the children being separated from their families, child abuse and death, um, the detention centers lacking basic sanitary equipment, asylum seekers are being deported back to countries. Back to Mexico, I think mm, you and said in your article that was... Back to um, Guatemala, Guatemala primarily, but even, I mean, we have people coming from all over the world who seek asylum and it seems that the visa system has been so deteriorated at this point that it's difficult for anybody to seek asylum anymore. Um, and people get manipulated to sign their own deportation order. They, they say, yeah, okay, you, I'll leave um, so that I'm not being detained anymore, but that's not due process and that's not justice. But um, so they're, the, the they're signing these deportation orders um, without full, full disclosure or full knowledge of what they're signing. Exactly. Um, and then children, of course, and especially unaccompanied children. I mean, the treatment of them in these detention facilities is just abhorrent. Right. Um, and not to mention what's going on with ICE raids and um, the border communities themselves as the border becomes more militarized and how those communities are affected. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's something I hadn't really thought about. But you're right. It, it's... Um, the influx of more and more people guarding the border would have a way of um, militarizing those communities that just happen to be on right on the border. Right. Mm. So we we hear a lot about, um, you know, we hear about uh, children who've uh, been mistreated and some children who've, who've died. And uh, I guess it was a Last week or week before last, there was that iconic picture of um, the, the father and his daughter who had drowned mm -hmm. in the river. So can you tell us a little bit about how many children that we know of who've died under uh, while they were in custody of the, of the U.S. government because of, say, inadequate health care? Right. So my article addresses the U.S. government custody because... Um, those are the numbers, at least, that we have. Um, and I say at least six children have died in the last year in U.S. government custody due to inadequate health care because there could be more that we don't know about. Right. Those there, are just the documented. Right. And that doesn't include things like that young girl and her father who died outside of U.S. government custody trying to seek asylum. Wow. Um, so we, we, you know, we don't have accurate figures, but I say that because there was that 10 year old girl who, um, was treated up in Omaha and she died in September, but we didn't learn about her death until May. So there could be more children. We just don't know. Mm -hmm. That's just really, um, it's so devastating for me and for, for so many people, um, in your article, you talk a little bit about um, sexual abuse and sexual harassment for um, people who are uh, in um, in custody. Can you can you share some of those statistics with us? Yes. So there have been, and there may be more since since this because it came out in the spring, but there have at least been over 4,500 allegations of sexual abuse and sexual harassment between October 2014 and July 2018 in these detention facilities. Um, but kind of narrowing that down, 178 accusations um, were of adult staff members sexually assaulting children that the mm -hmm. DOJ found very credible and were investigating. Okay. Um, so there's um, there's um, children who are dying in custody. There's allegations of sexual abuse and sexual harassment. Uh, I'm sure there are other forms of physical and psychological abuse that are going on. Yes. Um, and then we've heard, uh, many of us have read about just the lack of basic uh, toiletries and, mm -hmm. and sanitary um, uh, sanitary products like... Um, you know, toothbrushes and toothpaste, right. and um, the, it's been uh, just really difficult to read some of the stories. 
Um, in your article, you mentioned um, the um, um, is it the the eighteenth, the Flora's eighteenth birthday, or or can you say something about that? Maybe what, on the, their eighteenth birthday, then immigrant children, teenagers, then become adults, mm-hmm. and so that means that they are transferred to an adult facility which can be even more dangerous. Mm -hmm. So obviously the children facilities are having issues if, you know, there's all these reports and allegations going on here, but at the very least they have, um, they have to be certified and um, they're supposed to have more protections. At least they're protected under the Flores Agreement. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you transfer to an adult facility, you don't have those same protections, but even under the law, even if you turn 18, you came into government custody when you were a minor, um, you should still have those protections and uh, be placed with a trusted sponsor, even if you age out of the system. And, and the Flores Agreement. Yeah. Um, just a couple of the protections, for instance, are the certification of the children's facilities and that children shouldn't be detained for more than 20 days. Now, obviously, children are being detained for much longer than that. So it's violating that, but at least there's recourse of action for those children. Mm -hmm. Um, So this uh, just seems like it's, uh, it's just a, just a horrible, horrific uh, situation. Um, And, um, but I'm, I'm wondering, I, I think one of the questions that I have is surely people who are thinking about immigrating to the United States are reading the same stories or hearing the same stories that we are about, about, about how the situation has, how the immigration uh, policies and procedures and processes have sort of, I don't know how to call it. They've, they've uh, degenerated. And so I guess, the question that I think a lot of our listeners might have is what is it that motivates people to want to come to the United States anyway, despite the, the horrible situation that's, uh, that they know they'll very likely be encountering um, in the, uh, when they get to the border and have to go, go through border control? Well, I think of this as a twofold issue that most of the people who are coming to seek asylum um, are not necessarily getting the same information that you and I are. Okay. You know, um, they may not have newspapers access to those podcasts or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people are illiterate and they may even be um, not able to read and write their own native language, especially in Guatemala. So some things that people hear are word of mouth. Okay. Um, and if considering so like how far um, people are traveling by foot, it right. then would it make sense that they're getting the same information that we are? Okay. So that's the first piece of it. Now, not everybody is in that situation, but um, I was even reading an article about an Eastern European Roma family. Um, and they... I guess, you know, they hadn't heard about what is going on at the border. Um, And that leads me to that second piece is that people all over the world think of the United States first when they think of a, a new place for possibility. So when tragedy happens in their lives, the United States is the first country that most people think about mm-hmm. if if you have the chance to start over if you have the chance to seek asylum it's a great country i have um a little story of a police officer that i met here in lincoln and her family were refugees and originally they were supposed to go to Australia and be placed in Australia, but kind of at the last minute, they were sent to the United States. But before they were placed and when they got word that they were going to Australia, she was very young at the time, like a few years old. And she was a little sad because her dream was to become a police officer in the United States. Okay. 
And she was finally able to come to the U.S. She was able to become a U.S. citizen and become a police officer with LPD. And even more phenomenally, she just recently, a few months ago, was accepted to the FBI. So this little wow. girl who was a refugee in, I think, Pakistan. She's from the Middle East. Okay. And lived in absolute squalor. But her dream was to be a police officer in the United States, this little girl. And she was finally able to achieve that dream. So it's not wrong to think of the United States in achieving those possibilities mm -hmm. because it's true. You can achieve your possibilities here. You can live the American dream. So right. I think that the first place that people think about, no matter where they are in the world, is that beacon of hope, the United States. Still the United States. Mm -hmm. um, but there, isn't it true that some are political refugees, so they're fleeing threats to their lives or their families from their home countries, their ho the countries that they grew up in? Right. So... Some of what's going on in the news, I don't think is very good at explaining how that system works. Okay. So we have refugees and we have asylum seekers. They're essentially the same um, legal status. They fall under the same umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, the only difference is how they arrive in a country. So both refugees and asylum seekers have to have either been persecuted or they're fearing future persecution on the basis of, as you said, political opinion. It could be religious belief, ethnicity or racial reasons, um, a membership in a particular social group, like those kind of things. So right. those are very narrow categories and mm -hmm. some people aren't going to qualify under international law, under the Refugee Convention, which has been codified in our federal law as well. Okay. Um, but the, so the difference is that refugees go through the United Nations and are in refugee camps, and then they get placed in a country. And asylum seekers, anybody from all over the world could seek asylum in another country. That is your human right okay. under the Refugee Convention. So if you're being persecuted, you can go over to a neighboring country, any country, right. and seek asylum. Okay. Um, so what we have going on in Guatemala is a lot of instability and, and violence, and especially like gang violence and corruption, and, and people are dying. And mm -hmm. when you have a dangerous situation like that, any parent with children is going to say, what, is, what should I do to protect my family? Right. And so in that case, they're going to leave the dangerous situation. Um, so under that situation, some people may qualify as asylum seekers, depending on what they're fleeing from. But some people, like the classic example, I think of as climate migrants. Okay. So climate change and, and climate catastrophes, national, natural disasters, can't mm -hmm. persecute. Only people can persecute. So okay. even if your entire island is underwater, right. that doesn't qualify under refugee or asylum law. Okay. So a country can, so they don't have to admit you, but a country, for instance, the United States, we've done this, is create a special protected status. It's called temporary protected status, TPS holders, if you think of. Um, and we can say, oh, we know that this catastrophe has happened in your country. And even though you don't qualify under international law, we're going to let you come in mm -hmm. and you can work and you can raise your family and everything. And then when it's safe, you can go back. Well, oftentimes these countries never become safe again. So, Right. If your island uh, country is underwater, it's going to probably continue to be underwater. Right. And so those immigrants in the in the US they're just sort of in that limbo status for the rest for the rest of their lives then and under temporary protective um, status. Right. So a lot of them have been in the country for over two decades. Okay. And they've started businesses and they've raised families here and it's still dangerous in the countries that they come from. Um, and so you may have heard in the news about TPS running out and them being deported right. back right. and, you know, that the courts made sure that that didn't happen. Right. Um, but the there is a permanent solution 
right now. And we can talk a little bit more about that, but there is a bill in Congress um, called Dream and Promise Act. So the dream part is for dreamers in DACA, but the promise is for TPS holders. And it's mm-hmm. to make a permanent solution for both of those classes of people. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. That's really helpful. Um, so when we see pictures on the news and we hear about kids in cages down on the Texas border, these are immigrants who've come. They are not political refugees. They're coming in order to seek a better life, if you will. Is that correct? So it, each individual situation needs to be assessed for okay. asylum seeker status. Okay. So they very well could um, and that that process is that an asylum seeker officer would do an interview um, to determine whether or not they have that status. And then if they are denied, they could appeal it mm-hmm. um, and have a hearing. But what's happening is that, you know, the system is just so backlogged at the moment. And instead of creating an innovative solution to to help make sure these claims are processed in a manner it's it's like the administration just is detaining people just throwing people in in cages and that's the solution so to speak but it's not a solution no it's not i think everybody agrees that it's not a solution um so um Let's just, um, we, we need to take a break in, in a few minutes, uh, Skylar, but let's just, um, for a moment, can you give us an update on the, you've mentioned already the Dreamers, so, mm-hmm. uh, and we've, we've heard about the DACA program, and I know that uh, President Trump moved to end it last year, but then there have been more recent developments. The Supreme Court has made a decision to hear the case uh, this next fall. Can you just give us a little bit of um, an update on, on what that is and that's and where we are with that, that situation? Right. So similar to TPS holders, DACA is a temporary program. Um, dreamers are children who were brought to the United States when they were children. Mm-hmm. Um, is that redundant? Did I just say children? <laughs> right. Okay. It's okay though. Children, children are brought to the United States. They're very young. Um, they may have been, um, brought over and didn't have documentation to begin with, or their families may have had documentation and lost that along the way. Um, which is more common, I would say. Um, so they really have no path forward. They identify as Americans, even though, you know, some of their siblings might be U.S. citizens as well, but um, the dreamers are Americans, right? They were raised here, but they right. have no path forward. They can't work. They can't, um, a lot of them can't attend school because of their various barriers. And So DACA was created under the Obama administration to give dreamers the ability to, to work and basically live lives like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is no path forward to get a green card or citizenship under it. It's just like TPS. It's a, it's a temporary program that you have to continually reapply for. So as you mentioned, um, the Trump administration tried to get rid of the DACA program and the the courts have come back and said, no, you can't get rid of it. Right now, if you had DACA, if you were a dreamer and at least had DACA, you can continue to reapply. Um, but if you didn't have it before, you can't. You can't apply now. You can't apply now. And the Supreme Court just decided to take up the DACA case for next year. So we should be expecting a decision sometime next spring. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. That's that's great. Thank you very much. Well, this has been very uh, helpful for me. I've learned so much from you already, Skylar. <laughs> Just uh, these uh, moments we've been talking. We need to uh, take a break now. And uh, so uh, let me just remind everybody that this is uh, KZUM 89.3 and KZUM HD. Uh, we'll take a break now and come back and continue our discussion of um, continue our discussion of the immigrant immigration crisis. 
And we're back with uh, Counterbalance Progressive Christian Radio. Today we're talking with uh, Skylar um, Geary Zink, who's a staff attorney for uh, uh, Nebraska Appleseed. Uh, welcome back, Skylar. Uh, we were talking about Im- immigration, and I think you had um, another point that you wanted to make before we went away for our break. Um, I don't think before, but we were talking about um, that Christian theology perspective, and one of the groups okay. that we work with is um, Interfaith Immigration Coalition, um, and that's an organization made up of over 50 religious organizations who are interested in immigration policy. So I have a a quote. A okay. Quote. Uh-huh. All right. Great. Uh, I'd love to hear it. And then maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, the, inter- the center faith uh, group. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. So this is Katie Adams, policy advocate for domestic issues with the United Church of Christ and co-chair of the Interfaith Immigration Coalition. So she says, faithful Americans recognize and affirm the dignity of every human as we would of God. This is a shared lesson in various religious teachings. Amidst the horror of this administration's immigration policy, repressing asylum, criminalizing migration, and denying basic care to people in need, faith-based groups and faithful Americans are standing in the gap. But we also need Congress to do its job and refuse to fund any federal policies or programs that put children and adults in harm's way. Great. And that what's that the organization again is the Interfaith Immigration Coalition. Immigration Coalition. Mm-hmm. So thanks. That's a really good, um, really nice uh, quotation. I think it summarizes a lot from a, uh, a Christian perspective. Um, by the way, uh, to our listeners, we'd be uh, in- interested in hearing uh, your thoughts and questions as we talk about immigration today. Um, please feel free to call us at 402 402- Four zero four five zero eight six extension one. Uh, you can also message us on Facebook um, by going to our Facebook um, page, which is Counterbalance KZUM, and we can also be reached on Twitter at CB Radio KZUM. So thank you very much. Um, I um, am um, a Christian pastor and a theologian at heart. And it seems to me that uh, our scriptures provide some really clear direction uh, in terms of discerning how to proceed uh, with these issues. I think um, if we look first at the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, um, there's throughout the, those scriptures, there's a focus of justice, of, especially for the most vulnerable within the Hebrew society. And um, throughout the, uh, the uh, Hebrew scriptures, the most vulnerable groups are always identified as widows, um, ch- uh, orphans, and uh, immigrants or, or aliens. And uh, so compassion and generous hospitality towards the alien uh, runs like a red thread throughout the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, uh, especially in the law and in the prophets. Um, and this concern for the aliens, it seems to me, is uh, when, when you read these passages, it's clearly connected to the the Hebrew experience of slavery in Egypt. Mm-hmm. In Exodus, right? In Exodus, exactly, yeah. So, um, as you'll recall, the, the, uh, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and were forced into hard labor, and that begins the story of Moses. Uh, Leading the uh, the Israelites out of of Egypt and um, and then across the uh, the the Red Sea, or and then uh, t- uh, eventually to the Promised Land. Uh, so that's uh, an ongoing uh, story. It's a salvation arc, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. that that interweaves throughout the the Hebrew Scriptures, and so it's picked up in the Law. For example, in Leviticus nineteen uh, verse thirty four. It's written, the, the alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. Um, and then I am the Lord your God. Um, again, we see this uh, 
continued uh, with the prophets. The, the prophets, Schuyler, of course, were the ones in the second half of the Hebrew scriptures who are calling the people of God to uh, rep- repentance and faithfulness. And this is an ongoing project for many, for many prophets. But you have, like the prophet uh, Ezekiel in chapter 47 writes, uh, about uh, about immigrants, you shall allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the aliens who reside among you and have begotten children among you. They shall be to you as citizens of Israel. With you they shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. Um, and um, so it seems to me that there's um, there's just a similarity between the Hebrew experience in the in the Old Testament in the Scriptures, and what I would call the American experience when it comes to immigration, both ancient Israel in the Bible and contemporary Americans or contemporary United States are are made up of people who were once immigrants at one time, and uh, so in the case of the Hebrews, uh, after God delivers them from bondage in Egypt and leads them to the Promised Land. They're commanded to treat the aliens among them uh, as though they were citizens, um, as though they were members of uh, the country of Israel in remembrance of how they were treated in, in Egypt. And, and then in the case of Americans, I think, you know, all, all of us are pretty much an, an immigrant people. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us have been here for only one generation and others for 12 or 13 generations. But we all came to America either to flee political or re- religious persecution or because of, of uh, um, famine in our, our home countries and the desire for a better economic life for our, our children and, and, and grandchildren. Um, so it seems to me that for American Christians, as for those ancient Hebrews, the scriptural mandate is pretty clear. Um, remembering our own immigrant status uh, as people of faith, it seems that we, to me, that we should practice compassion and, and generous hospitality towards the new immigrants that have come after us. Um, yeah, I see a lot of parallels between the promised land in that the scripture as well as the promised land here, as I was talking about a beacon of hope and what exactly. the Statue of Liberty really represents for people around the world. And also, it seems to me that generationally, we forget that, you know, when our ancestors came to the U.S. seeking a better life, they were treated poorly and weren't welcomed. And that story reiterates itself over and over and over again, depending, you know, each, each wave of new immigration is treated the same. And we never really remember that, mm-hmm. you know, the world doesn't end. In fact, our country becomes stronger and we grow together as a community when we are welcoming neighbors and when we can um, be successful together. Exactly. I mean, we, we uh, you, you mentioned already the story of the, of the woman who's going into the FBI because um, she was a, an immigrant, but that was has been her dream. Mm-hmm. And so um, our culture is full of those types of stories of immigrants who've come and who've contributed significantly to our society and have, um, uh, you know, been able to, to realize dreams. Um, so uh, when you think back over our history of all of the immigrants who've contributed so much and in science and engineering and in politics and, and in finance and business, uh, as well as leadership in the church, these are, it's all just really very, uh, very important um, uh, to remember um, how much, how much, how rich our, our society is because of the contribution of immigrants mm-hmm. and also how, how much stronger we are as a result of that. Um, you know, and then just to finish this sort of little um, biblical um, examination, in, in the New Testament, there's also a strong mandate for disciples of Christ to practice compassion and generous hospitality towards the immigrant. 
uh, this immigrant again, uh, this uh, this uh, obligation towards the immigrant again, as in the Hebrew scriptures in the New Testament, it runs like a red thread, just uniting all of the the gospels and the letters. Um, however, I think if you look at the New Testament, the the grounding for this obligation has changed. Rather than basing hospitality to immigrants on our historic experience as as uh, uh, part of the uh, Abrahamic traditions, uh, as the Hebrews did, instead of basing hospitality to immigrants on the historic experience of the Hebrews in Egypt. In the New Testament, the mandate is based upon love of God and love of others as the essential mm-hmm. core of following and being faithful disciples of Jesus. And perhaps the the most prominent passage there is occurs in, in uh, Matthew um, 25 um, in that uh, passage which is called the Great Judgment. It's when Jesus divides the sheep from the the goats and uh, the sheep are judged righteous and the goats are, are judged unrighteous and, and doomed to, to hell. And, and the criteria is caring for other people, uh, caring for the hungry or the poor or the sick or the immigrant, the, the stranger. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jesus says in that, he says, um, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And then the, the goats are sort of, perple- or the sheep are sort of perplexed. It turns out the goats are too, but the sheep are sort of perplexed, those who are being judged righteous. And they go, Lord, when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you? And then Jesus responds, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Mm. So the clear implication of that passage is that when we we reach out to immigrants and, and treat them with compassion and with generous hospitality, then we are essentially, they're, we're essentially welcoming Jesus, uh, who is uh who is the uh, the 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 immigrant in that case? So, I think that's a very powerful um, powerful passage of scripture. It's also the only time where Jesus sort of speaks at length about the criteria for getting into into heaven, if you will. I mean, he mm-hmm. lays it out very. It's when you love others and care for others. That's the criteria, not doctrine. Interestingly enough, but yeah. practice. So, I don't know you. You researched me before, before I came on. I but I don't know if you you knew that I was born on Christmas. I did not know that. No. Yeah. So um, one of my favorite stories is actually um, that Jesus' family was basically welcomed. They were the wayfaring stranger coming back. They didn't have a place, and so that generosity of even just giving a stable for them for Mary to right to give birth in and that generosity and compassion for the stranger. So Jesus' story from the very beginning is about that generosity and compassion. Um, And it seems to me, and you can tell me if I'm missing the mark on this one, but it seems to me (laughs) that, that Jesus was himself a political dissident and he was very innovative in the way that um, he was changing the way that people thought about religion and thought about faith in his own time. Absolutely. And that to me, like if Jesus was around today and sought asylum, that he would be in the same position that our immigrants are in today. If he was fleeing persecution from a regime like the Roman empire, because that's the kind of thing that people are facing today. They're facing death and violence and torture. And Jesus' story is just that. It's the story of many people today. So Jesus' story is a story of, of being an immigrant. I hadn't, that's such a powerful way of, of putting that. I really appreciate that, Skylar. That's, uh, I think it just sort of, in a way, underscores all that we've been talking about in terms of looking at this from the perspective of, uh, of being a progressive Christian or just a Christian at all. It seems to me that this is something we should be able to uh, have a lot of unity and agreement on. We may disagree on doctrine, but this is a case of just showing mercy and welcoming uh, immigrants. Now, 
there's the the rule of law, um, which I do think that we're obligated to um, to abide by, um, and uh, because law structures society, and good laws create a society when we where we can all flourish. Uh, but it seems to me that we need to develop paths for illegal immigrants who've who've come to this country. Sometimes they've been here for 20 years or so mm-hmm. uh, to become citizens um, and uh, to be able to become sort of le- legally Americans. Um, it seems to me that we also need to take care of the vulnerable, especially those children. Uh, children in in cages. Uh, we've had uh, Congress. Um, Persons uh, and uh, and different uh, government bureaucracies who've done reports and who've reported on just the abhorrent conditions. So, from a Christian perspective, separating children from their families and locking them up um, is just something that's that's simply intolerable. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I also just think uh, as uh, as an American, it's not American. Uh, right. The way we're treating uh, these uh, immigrant children and really illegal immigrants in general is un- un-American. It's not the way, uh, it's it's not in keeping, it's not consistent with our traditions and our customs, and most importantly, I think, our core values as, uh, as, as a democracy. So uh, we have a few more minutes before we have to wrap up, and I thought I'd just ask, what are some of the ways in which uh, progressive Christians, which we can do something? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I think part of the difficulty of reading uh, stories about about Im- immigration right now is you feel so frustrated. You're just sitting there, you know, in the coffee shop reading, and you want to do something. But So talk to us a little bit about things that we can do. You know, I I think that you're right that good laws make a good society. And unfortunately, the immigration system is so outdated that it's really a bad law now. Um, It's just not functional with the current immigration system and how people are moving across borders, how people are trying to seek safety. It seems like it's obsolete, maybe? Yeah, I would say so. So that's not helpful. Mm. And and it's causing a lot of problems and confusion um, with with people who are concerned like, oh, well, you know, you got to follow the law. You have to get in line. Well, there is no line and the law doesn't make sense anymore. So it needs to be updated. So when we talk about undocumented immigrants, unfortunately, there really is no path forward at the moment. And that's why organizations like Nebraska Appleseed is advocating for innovative solutions to update, you know, the visa system to give people a path forward um, and to make our communities stronger so that people can be recognized for their contributions. As you said, they've been living here for decades and um, there are a few solutions. There are some small steps forward that um, are in Congress right now. I mentioned earlier Dream and Promise Act in the House, and there's also Dream and Secure in the Senate. And that helps DREAMers uh, or DACA recipients, but DREAMers and TPS holders. But there are plenty of other bills that uh, exist. And and for instance, if you care about agriculture, for Mm -hmm. instance, and the ag workers in Nebraska, um, there's a blue card uh, bill. So that would give agricultural workers not a green card, but a blue card, and then they could move forward and get a green card. So there are solutions out there to try to help people and um, improve uh, the laws, but really it needs a comprehensive overhaul because it's very outdated right now. But I think you asked like, what can we do in our daily lives? Like it feels so overwhelming sometimes. Exactly. So what can we do? Um, so you can, if you have money. You can donate to national organizations, especially those who are working at the border um, or local organizations. They also need resources at the border. It's kind of like a natural disaster zone where they do need resources to help families. Um, But there are local organizations as well. If you look at the NILA hotline, that's N-I-L-A-H. You can find it NILA.org. There are a bunch of local organizations who are Um, it's called the Nebraska Immigration Legal Assistance Hotline. So they're providing legal 
help to people in Nebraska. So if you care about those local organizations, you can look online and donate to any of those. There's Catholic Charities and Lutheran Family Services is a part of that. So great. Um, and then the other thing you can and by volunteer. the way, we'll, if you'll give me that card mm-hmm. that you just used, we'll get that on our Facebook oh, page sure. so that so that our listeners can can get it down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you can volunteer as well if you have time but not money. And then there's um, local, state, and federal policies. I mentioned a few federal policies, but there are um, local ordinances, ways that that we can improve our local community. Um, for instance, organizations like the Asian community cultural center, places like that, refugee resettlement organizations mm-hmm. um, as well that you can support and then state policies. So you can always um, contact the unicameral as well and work on the state level. Um, so, I mean, I tried to clarify as much as possible in the hour that we have, but the truth of the matter is that immigration is really complex. Um, so if you'd like to learn more about immigration, so you can speak a little bit more to it, have a better understanding. Nebraska Appleseed and a couple other organizations such as Immigrant Legal Center put on Immigration 101 presentations. Um, We have those going on around. um, So you can always like see um, if there's a public one, but if you would like us to come to your church or another community space and give those, you can contact me and we can arrange that and and right. I'd be happy to do that. I'd like to, to arrange that for Christ's Connection Point. Yeah, definitely. I would yeah. love to come. And then you can also bring this topic to your church. So um, like my pastor has um, spoken to it during a pastoral prayer as well as a, a sermon topic. And I mean, you already went into, Richard, like how immigration is a spiritual topic that that should be addressed in churches so it might be good for a pastor to have a sermon on it as well as Mm -hmm. um just a discussion topic that you can bring to your church to kind of um, talk about and just be more welcoming in your daily life too so when you see people at the grocery store that you know everyone's treated fairly and and if you see any injustice in your own daily life that you can you can step up and it's those small things that you can do as well in addition to calling congress if you want to but yeah thank you for having me on thank you so much skylar for being a part of this show um that's all the time we have uh thank you to all of our listeners and we'll be back next week with a new topic uh until then have a great rest of the 4th of uh, July weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.